Blog Talk Radio. Now, Dr. Deborah Carlin, your partner in excellence, in conversation with Richard Flint, the man who wrote the book on human behavior, talking about approaching our negative environment in this world with courage, confidence, a positive mindset, and definitely no apologies. Never, ever any apologize for what we talk about. This is your host, Dr. Deb Carlin, and my good friend and co-host is Richard Flint. Good morning, Richard. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You good? I'm good. I'm really good. I'm glad we're here. I'm glad that we both got the memo about wearing gray. <laughs> yeah, it matches our, it matches our hair. So it's, it's Excuse good. me. I'm blonde. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh gosh. You know, I am um, I'm fascinated by the idea of my age. Why? Because when I had this last birthday, uh, just in the last week or so, I had to actually pull out a calculator because I was trying to remember. Now, how old am I? And I thought, no, no, it can't be. It, no, I don't think so. And so I pull out calculator, 2021 minus 1956. No, 65? Really? <laughs> Words that we use. Yes. You can be young or old. Yeah. Right. And I don't, when people ask me my age, I never say I'm 76 years old. I'm 76 years young. Nice play on words there. Yeah. Well, but how much of, how much of life is about mindset? A hundred. Yeah. And, you know, having that have on the phone earlier this morning with a chiropractor who lives in Portland, uh, Tennessee. And we were talking, he's part of the morning minute. And we were talking about, uh, he's thinking about selling his practice. That he's gotten to a place where he wants more to his life than what he has right now. Okay. He has, um, I think he told me he had 26 acres and he's, he's planted uh, close to a thousand trees on his acres. Really? Acreage, and he likes to go out and just watch the see the trees as they they're growing. You know. Very peaceful. Well, it, it it raises an interesting question, Deb. I mean, how many people really get to do with their life what they enjoy doing? You know, I'll tell you, I can honestly say that for some percentage of every day. I managed to enjoy my day at some point. So what makes what makes a day enjoyable for you? Spending a portion of it in, in nature, always spending a portion of it among beautiful things, whether they're my personal things or it's it's somewhere that I know that I can go and see beautiful things. I like a sensuous experience in this life for my eyes, for my ears. You know, I love music every day. Absolutely. I think I think Alexa was one of the best inventions, regardless of the privacy issues that people mention. 
I love that technology because in an instant I can just say, here's what I want to hear, and I hear it. Um, being in my right mind and having the capacity to think and to pray and to meditate, having my body available to me and being able to move my body, start my day doing exercises and stretches with yoga, absolutely brings me goodness of my day. Anything above and beyond that, you know, people that I meet and I talk to and get to spend time with, fabulous. Those are additional pleasures. But what I just mentioned is the core of it. Yeah. Do you think that do you think that most people live with joy? I think people really forget about it. Part of that because we we get trapped in routines. The culture is designed to do that. Go to school, work hard. Go to work, work hard. Don't leave early. That means you're ditching out. What about you? What about you and your joy factor, Mr. Flint, Dr. Flint, Minister Flint? I don't have any joy. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Fibber. No, joy is just the thrill of waking up in the morning. Yeah. And knowing that there's something something in front of you that you're going to get to experience today. Absolutely. No, not getting not getting trapped into the mundane, but also always make sure that there's there's some time during the day just to explore the day. And yes. Find the find the meaning of that day. Absolutely. And you know what? Sometimes the joy of my day is being able to lay down and take a nap. Just lay back. You know, one of the best recipes for when you start to feel overwhelm or frustration, I mean, yeah, you need to work things through. But when I start feeling my weariness, I have trained myself to have complete and full permission to lay down. Just lay down. Well, but that's, to me, yeah, that's, called, that's called listening to life, called listening to the needs that your body tells you about life. A hundred percent. And, you know, uh, I did that on Sunday. I don't normally take a nap, but I was, I was tired Sunday. I, I got my, I got my COVID shot last Monday. No, I know. Week prior to that. And right. So this week, I think I'm experiencing some of the side effects to it. Um, and that uh, I've been, I'm generally a person that doesn't get tired during the day. I found myself tired. And Sunday I, I went to play golf in the afternoon and came home, and I was just wiped out. So I laid down and took a three-hour nap, and that's something I never do. Um, but I, I'm learning that sometimes our body is smarter than we are, and sometimes we push ourselves, and our body has to slow us down. So you took the Johnson & Johnson injection, right? I did. I took it on Monday and they shut it down on Tuesday. So, <laughs> but you know, this morning I was reading about how absurd it was for them to shut it down because of six women, uh, which worked out with the number of people that took it, had taken it. It worked out to be point zero 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 six percent. But it's it's all about the money. It, it's all about the money. I mean, if we 
we understand some of the people who are behind the Pfizer and how Johnson & Johnson has taken money away from them. It's just it's just amazing what's going on what's going on in this country today. We turn aside. Sorry. Well, it is it is amazing, and I actually who 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 was that was that was that Brian? No, that was Denise. Uh, <laughs> okay, for our audience. Richard wasn't here early, and he wasn't here when we were supposed to start. So I started calling his staff, and then I called his bride. <laughs> and I said, hi, you know, <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> I'm just a little worried. So so here, here is something that I wrote that I want to read to you. So I've spent time being distracted then concerned, and before it escalates to worry, I've trained myself to take assertive but thoughtful, genteel action. I'd really like to be a participant in a shift for our culture. I thought about creating, and here's what it's called, core values of American citizens movement, the core values of American citizens movement, where isms, racism, ageism, sexism, all that, no isms are not allowed and white skin is not a criminal demographic. Here's my question. Do you think that we can come above ground with these ideas and literally save our skin and our dignity, our wealth and our free lives? I am forever an optimist. And when I say, can we come above ground and literally save our skin? I mean, every color of skin. We are so focused on who's black, who's yellow, who's red, who's white. And everybody has got a criminal offense against them because of their demographic by someone in one department or another. I think that if we can come together as Americans, as Americans who believe in one core value, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, why can't we win all together? And not have to worry about, I'm white, you're black, you're brown, you're yellow, you're red. Why do we have to do that? Well, there is, there is so much animosity in this country today and so much anger. And what, to me, what we've done, uh, we've, we have and we are slowly erasing the word accountability. Yes. We're slowly erasing the word integrity. Yes. And, you know, no one today has to be responsible. Uh, I know. It's just amazing the power that the minority has because of the voice that they've been given. And 
you know, it, it's 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 interesting because as I'm talking to people, and you know, I, I call everybody on the morning minute, and as I get to talk to the people, I, I'm I'm hearing uh, the frustration. I'm hearing the disbelief as to what's happening in this country today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're no, we're no longer one nation under God. Uh, we are we are a nation of cliques. And if you don't uh, agree with my clique, then you're my enemy. I mean, I'm, I'm watching, it's, it's interesting to watch what's going on around the country today with all of the the riots and everything. Oh, my gosh. It, it's like there's a group of people who are looking for a reason to be destructive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's not about, it's, it's not about the movement that supposedly it's supposed to be about. Right. Uh, it's about the right to be destructive. That's really, you know, I I look around my home, and if I don't have everything put away, you know, laundry done, folded, put away, floors clean, things dusted, everything in order, neat and orderly, I just don't feel right. I don't feel right in my mind. I don't feel right in terms of feeling good about myself. You know, I I have influence over my space, and I keep it immaculate, and I love that. And and I keep myself immaculate, and I love that. You know, when I when I you know put on extra weight, I I think to myself, okay, I need to I need to make a correction here. I need to take care of that. I want my best here. I want my best around me. So when people are going and crashing and thrashing. I have to admit, I don't understand. I do not understand. Well, I, I'd like for I, I'd like to have a chance to sit down and talk about some of these people that are going in and destroying people's businesses, and they're going there. And I don't use the word looting. They're not looting. They're stealing. Uh, and there's a there's a whole difference to me in those two words. But they're there and they're stealing from people. And, what gives them the right to think that that's okay? And, you know, it, it goes back some ways to you have, I don't, so I get to take. Uh, and what, is it, what does it say about our, our society when we don't respect other people and we don't respect their right to think? I mean, it's amazing how many people today aren't going to tell you any opinions for the fear of the reprisal of what's going to go, what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I, I still believe, I, I never believe that we're out of time. I still believe that we can all come together and have this flourishing of our core American values and, and people can come together and we can make all the corrections and everyone can be happy. Do you really believe that that's possible right now? I do. Absolutely. See, I don't. I think that there's such diversity. I think there is so much anger. There is so much you owe me. 
I mean, just this little stupid thing that they're, they're trying to do in Washington, uh, put together this uh, this group that's going to look into people who uh, parents or grandparents or relatives were slaves, and now we're going to pay them money because of what uh, of the yesterday of what their what their relatives and everything went through decades ago. Well, where does that stop? I mean, I've had a lot of um, Jewish people who have survived uh, the Holocaust, or their parents did, or their grandparents did, say to me, we would never think of asking anybody to pay us for that. You know, it it all comes back to comes back to grief. You have, I don't, so you owe me. I do think, I still think that it is not too late and we can make the correction. And the correction is we have, we have abundance, we have wealth, we have opportunity. Let's stop that vote. Let's stop that movement. And let's really empower people because I don't believe in enslavement, neither do you. But when people are given everything for free, it is an enslavement. Well, just as something right now, you know, you, you you listen to all these business owners who can't find people to hire because they're being paid by the government to stay home. And you know, why should I? If, if you're going to pay me six hundred to seven hundred dollars a week to stay home, why don't I want to work? I mean, it's almost like what we're doing. At least my perspective, and I know my perspective is always right. Um, but from <laughs> my perspective, it's that we're 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 taking away the spirit of people. Yeah, Dependency agree. takes away motivation. Yeah, it takes away energy, and it's almost like there's this underground movement out here. Let's just give people more and more and more, and pretty soon we'll we'll own them. You know, one of the things that my mom and dad talked about, because they were alive and functional during the uh, World War II and the Depression, <clears throat> and my folks would be 100 years old this year. Wow. Yeah, I just think that that's stunning. And I used to plead with them to please live into their hundreds. But quite frankly, where America is at right now would hurt their hearts so badly that I, 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 I think it would have been unbearable for them, even beyond what it is for us <clears throat> but they used to talk about the workers program post-world war ii you know and look at all the great things that were built highways and parks and state parks and you know developments i think on on the national parks I mean, we had so much good that happened and those i i don't know if it was men and women but the people who worked on those projects he had a sense of pride and that's fulfillment. The word. That's, that's the word. Yes. There was pride. Yes. Where is pride today? Uh, I, I think I think he got lost somewhere along the journey. Well, see, all we need to do is invite pride back. When 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 things are given to me, how can I be proud? Isn't pride the result? I mean, when you feel good about yourself, isn't it the result that you've done some things that really 
really make you feel good about what you are and what you're doing and you're creating something. Because back then, when they that concept of the WPA, uh, yeah. People worked. If it meant sweeping the street, they swept the street. They had pride. We and need that, by the way. Yeah. And they weren't going to just take something as a handout. They were going to earn it. But in our society today, it's you owe me, give me. And it's almost like the federal government. I mean, we need to we need to take their printing press away. Well, I think. I think if we can, is there a way anymore for citizens to reach out and touch our federal government, you know, go and talk to Congress, go make a presentation to them? Uh, I don't know, Deb. I, I would doubt it today because Washington doesn't feel like they have to listen to you and I. And, you know, one of the things that would wake Washington up is is if they had to live under the same restrictions they're putting on people. They don't, they don't live in America. Do we still have all that fencing around the White House and the Capitol? I think we do. I, I think it's, it's still there. You know, and but these people in Washington, they... They're like little demigods, gods, and every day they play with the lives of people. And, I, you know, it hurts me to say this, but I think the majority of them don't give a damn about this country. And I think their behavior proves that. If, it, if they cared, they would look at some of these things they're doing and just to see how self-destructive this is in the long run. And I think that, I think people care. I just think that they're looking in a direction and not seeing all the implications. I, I, I really believe, <clears throat> excuse me, people are basically good. Everyone has a core of goodness. But they get, they get voices of influence that say, a little bit in one place, a little bit in another place, a little bit in another place, and they get bound up in it, and they they lose themselves in those different influences, and they they get off course from their core goodness. I I believe that that's what's happened to people, and I think we can recapture that. Yeah, it's interesting because the the big word out there today seems to be influencers. Who are the influencers? We are on the show. Yeah, but we, we we are. But who is it that we influence? We influence the people. Most of the audiences that you and I have are people who believe in what we what we talk about. They believe in what we teach. Uh, but and, I, and, I, and I'm sorry to say this because it hurts me to say it. I think that audience is shrinking in size. No. <clears throat> no. <laughs> okay. you, you, have, you have the right to be wrong in your opinion, but I will accept <laughs> Well, look at your audience. I mean, look at how many people show up for your events. Look at how many people you have coming to 
you know, listening to your morning minute, coming into your learning center at Richard Flint Seminars, or coming to your seminars at Richard Flint Seminars. I mean, you know, people are dialing in. They want to hear what you have to say because you're about the core goodness of people. You're about the influence of self-development and pride and, you know, let's make this happen. Yeah, I'm about accountability. And you're on, right, yes. I'm about being responsible for the decisions that you make and for your life. Well, guess what? This morning, your morning minute really, really sparked me and inspired me. So I was thinking about us coming together today to talk about the nature of habits and the nature of their disruption and asking people to think about where are you in the cycle of your life and your habits? I've got some habits that I absolutely love that I participate in, and I have some habits that I want to stop and change so that I have got a richer, fuller, more centered, more focused, more productive, more sacred life. How would you define the word habit? Habit is a a behavior that you do enough times that it just becomes automated. A habit is a developed behavior. You don't even think about it. You just do it. It's like people, you know, I get up in the morning. I don't even think about making a pot of coffee. I just go over there and do it. Yeah, it's a consistency of action. There you go. You're always so succinct. (laughs) Thank you. You know, it's it's, it's like that. You get up in the morning, and it becomes automatic. You go and you make your coffee. Right. And you're right. A habit is something you really don't think about. Because it just becomes a, a, a consistency of behavior. And, you know, it, the consistency of that behavior can also take away our right to think about what we're doing. And then we, we become just like sheep. It, it, it's amazing to try to understand what creates the need for a habit. I mean, you got to have your coffee in the morning. Well, I don't got to, but I sure do like it. Well, I think you got to. <laughs> and so that just becomes, that becomes a part of your daily routine. Yeah. And sometimes those habits can become <clears throat> so ingrained within us that we keep telling ourselves, man, you know what? I need to stop doing this. Uh and it's it's challenging to redefine routine and to redirect your life. It takes a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of discipline. Uh, and it, it, it just amazes me how easy it is to get caught up in a lifestyle you don't challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, more and more in our country today, I don't think you have to think a lot. More and more in our country, I think you have to think more and more. I think we need to think more and more, but I'm not sure that most people think more and more because we we get lulled into a false sense of security mm. and a false sense of dependency. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking of this differently. 
that's one of the things we like about each other is we're, uh, you know, often coming at it from two different planets, like the scene behind you, right? So <clears throat> men are from Mars and women are from Venus. <laughs> women are all about the love, you know? So here's what I think. I'm finding the teenagers that I'm talking with, that the, the college kids, you know, in their 20s that I'm talking with, they're thinking a lot. They're just really bent about trying to understand. You know, I feel so bad for us, but I feel so bad for everybody. I mean, I don't know what part of the population I feel the worst for. The elderly who have been held captive and many have died. You and I who are out here trying to kind of figure it out. People who are having babies and bringing them into the world. Or those kids who are adolescents and their job is to figure out their identity and they're looking around saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I mean, which direction do we turn now? How do we make decisions? I've got kids who are trying to figure out where do they go to college. I can't even imagine how you figure out right now how do you, where do you go to college. Are you going to go to college in an open state or a closed state? Are you going to go to a college where they have online classes or in-person classes? You know. Do you really want to be away from your family at this point in history? If if I had children who were going away to school right now, uh-uh. They wouldn't be going away to school. No way. What would you do with them? I'd have them go to school locally. <laughs> they wouldn't be moving out into a dangerous world. No way. So you'd continue to protect them from life? No. I think we're in an era where family needs to stick together. Well, and that's one of the trends I think we're seeing is that we're we're watching today as people, you know, they're they're moving back to be close to the home front, you know, and uh, rather than being scattered all over the place, there seems to be a movement to centralize again around family. That's very powerful and it's very healthy. Yeah, but then there's also a, a movement out there. Of young people who don't want what their parents have had. They don't. They don't want to have to work to kill themselves. Well, so it's funny about that <laughs> because the, the people who are the youth that I am speaking with when they talk to me about not wanting what their parents have and wanting to cut a different path, I let them describe the whole scene and then I ask them how they finance that. Like, how are you financing your life right now? Well, I have a credit card, yeah. What date do you pay the bill? Oh, your parents pay the bill. I see. Okay, what about your car? Yeah, yeah, right, okay. It was the same thing when I was teaching at the university. I would ask my students, so, you know, adolescent development, raise your hand if you're a child. Raise your hand if you're an adult. Oh, they were all adults. Well, how about adolescence? Adolescence is in the middle of childhood and adulthood. How many of you are adolescents? A few of them had raised their hand. They'd say, how many of you are adults? Majority of the class. And I'd say, okay, who paid Who paid your $64,000 tuition <laughs> for you to be here this year? And your housing and your car and your insurance. And some of these kids in the initial phases of these questions, they would say, yeah, no, I paid for it. Really great. How'd you pay for it? Well, I I have this bank account. <laughs> Tell me about your bank account. <laughs> As a trust that was built for me. Great. Who put the trust together? Where'd that money come from? Or it's your bank account. It's your savings account. 
since you were born and people have been putting money in there for you all along. That's fabulous, but embrace that that's where it came from. Don't act like you produced it. Now, how much money have you produced? What is it that you literally have really seriously paid for? Uh, and by the way, I can talk this way because I was one of those kids who left home at too young of an age. I knew it all. Nobody could convince me that I was naive. So I was in my first apartment, which was a sublet. And within, I think, five weeks, <laughs> the, the landline got turned off. The electric got turned off. The gas got turned off. And the landlord showed up and said, who are you? And we said, well, this is our apartment. Who are you? Why, why are the police with you? Because <laughs> you don't rent here. The guy who has the lease never had permission to sublet it. It's my property. Oh, but can we pay you? No, you guys, we want you out of here. I remember going to the pay phone to call the electric company and say, you know, I don't think you understand who I am. I mean, you just turned off our power. Well, whose name is the building? I don't know, but I can tell you what the address is. And Bill, is that in your name? Yeah, but we're living there. I mean, can't we pay the bill and keep it on? No, not no. We turned it off. Do you have credit? What's credit? All right, listen, here's what I'm going to tell you. My father is a very important man. He's been a customer for a long time. And when he finds out about this, somebody's going to be in trouble. And I can I can remember the representative going, yes, somebody probably will be. <laughs> Deb, what's it, going to, what's it going to take to, to get us back where we're instilling pride in people? <clears throat> Don't you don't you think that's one of the things that's that's lost today? Yeah. Is that I you know, a lot of a lot of people today they don't feel good about their self. Right, right, right. Okay? And when you don't feel good about yourself, then it it makes you almost a hostage to the environment that you're in. Right, exactly. So what we need is we need to have programs and, and and movements that lift people up, and everything starts with a groundswell, right? Well, so let's be the groundswell. Who's going to head this up? Me. Okay. So how do you start? Here. <laughs> okay. Where's here? On our show, we talk about it. We get people inspired, and everybody touches somebody and asks them to touch somebody. And let's really lift one another up, and let's let's live today in integrity. Let's pay our bills. Let's purchase our foods. Let's let's pray. I've taken a student loan. I should be accountable to have to pay it back and not expect someone just to forgive it. Student loans is a hot button. And most yeah. and I when I was a graduate student, I was president of our graduate student association and I represented students nationally on this hot topic of student loans. Let me tell you something about student loans. Students have been given a bad rap about student loan debt. And the the it should be called uh um what do they call it when somebody is a horrible force? Um, 
evil. Uh, it's not proprietary lending. It's it's uh, it's like lending that is. What do they call it? Like yeah. the the interest rates are high. The escalations are high. It's disgusting. It's it's an evil cycle. And and why is it that universities are allowed to be a part of the natural course of our education system and the pricing of it is outrageous? It is. It is outrageous. Mm-hmm. The pricing is really outrageous. So, you know, the the idea of all of us being accountable, you know, that's as hot a question as uh, health insurance costs. You know how health insurance came into being? Doctors didn't want to have to face their patient and say, I can't have you paying me in chickens. I need you to pay me cash. And then and then we, we did was we created the insurance industry so that there would be a buffer between the patient and the care provider. And then we, we got it bigger, built hospitals, and then he had negotiators in the hospitals who cut a deal with the insurance companies for how much they're going to charge and the insurance company cuts the deal for how much they're going to pay. And if there's a differential in there, pass it along to the patient. I mean, the, you know, the whole, the whole, the whole design is about the, the impersonal nature of care. And I'm a proponent for the personal nature of care. Well, but, you know, for so long in all aspects of business, we had people who ran businesses who were people-centered and people-focused. And then as companies and corporations began to have shareholders, uh, then the emphasis shifted off of the, the customer to profitability. And when... The lawyers and the bean counters take over companies, and they're the ones running it. Then they don't run it for the consumer. They run it for the shareholders. Well, that took place even back in the 1800s with Scrooge, Mm -hmm. or was the story of Scrooge even before the 1800s? But what what do we need to do? Because I think this is uh, one of the ultimate questions. What do we need to do to get back to instilling pride in people where I take I take responsibility for me. I, I make myself accountable for me and I, I don't I don't depend on you. Well, I d- I'll tell you a handful of things I think we do. I'm thinking about the ways in which everybody needs a lift. All people deserve to feel good about themselves. We need to get the hate mongering off the airwaves. You know, I I can't tell you the last time I watched the news. I mean, I just I just turned it off because I found myself getting whipped into an emotional state of frustration, in fear, in despair, and depression. And 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 I thought, wait a second. That's why I started saying that we are the news. Because people deserve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness all around the world. But that's in our Bill of Rights here in, in, in the United States. So why don't we do everything we can 
to to you know like I I I will either call or social media or email to people of influence and ask them to stop stop what you're doing stop what you're saying stop the trend of negativity now does anybody listen to me I don't know but I think if all of us do that and we say you know we don't like the negativity. We don't like the fighting. We don't like fighting one another. I don't like fighting with my fellow Americans. I don't like fighting with my fellow human beings. It's, it's interesting because I think we're, we're not fighting fellow Americans. We're fighting people who don't agree with what we want. And, you know, the, the whole getting back to a country of unity. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that we have to do is we've got to have the people who are the influencers yeah. to stop making everything negative and damaging and, you know, uh, wrong. Because as long as everything that we're hearing is negative, because negative can be more powerful than positive. And it seems like that negative is what's gotten the foothold in our country today. I mean, when was the last thing, last time you really heard anything positive on the news? That's why I turned it off. Is about, everything is about gloom and doom. And slowly, what does that do, Deb? It wears on people, and it wears them down to the point where people sometimes they just go, there's nothing I can do about it. And then we're, we're done. Stop believing that there's something we can do. When we lose that belief, uh, we're doomed. That's why I'm talking about this, because I don't want to lose that belief. <clears throat> and I want you to believe with me. It's what I want. I, I, want us to be, I want us to get back to being a nation of pride. Okay. But, you know, proud to be an American. And, you know, I think it ought to be a federal offense to burn the American flag. Absolutely. I thought it was. No, no. You have that. That's a freedom of speech issue. All right. But so what, what do we do? Why don't you and I put together a plan? I think we ought to make cookies. I think what we need to do is we need to go out and we need to get the sponsors that other groups have gotten and we convince them, and we call it exactly what I told you a little while ago about what it is that it's called. And I and I put it here, you know, the it's a it's called core values, the core values of American citizens movement, where isms are not allowed and white is not a criminal demographic. Actually, you know what? It's not fair to say just one color and no color is a criminal demographic. Because that's what Black Lives Matter objects to, that black skin is a criminal demographic. Okay, I don't want white to be a criminal demographic, but I'm not going to say white lives matter because really and truly all lives matter. Let's see, the Black Lives Matters movement doesn't like that. Well, we don't, 
okay, but this is about unification, not about segregation. They don't have to like it. But see, I, I also think that a lot of these movements have instituted so much fear in people. But we can't pay attention to that. We have to rise above with our goodness, our 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 love, our kindness, and infuse that into people. So if we if we are bullied down, then we won't rise above. And when we rise above and we take people with us of all colors and in all in all different ideas and we say, Come on, we can do this together for the goodness of our American life and the goodness of our life. I like the thought. And I I I think it's it will we're almost done. Ninety seconds. All right. Yeah, so uh, it would be a it would be a long process to get us back there. Okay. Yeah, we could. Yeah. Uh, we like we're golfers. We like the putts and we like the short. We like the long drives. So we'll be back next week with a an idea about a plan. Okay. Bye. <laughs> Hang with me here, friends. We love you for being here with us. This is Doctor Deb Parson. Signing out for Richard Flint and myself. So peace out, friends. We'll see you next time.